days are getting hot down here, man. Days are getting hotter, and uh, it's kind of scary times because we're starting to enter the hurricane season. So I'm hoping that we're not getting forced between a rock and a hard place, the hard place being COVID. And the rock being a hurricane, that would be a multiplier effect of catastrophes that I am not uh, ready to get into right now, honestly. Still trying to recover from uh, this whole corona thing. Yeah, hey, one step at a time. And for those of our listeners who are not down here in South Florida and haven't experienced this heat, uh, it's in another world. We tend to pretty much exist in the tropics. And I'm talking about a heat that... On the you know kind of meter, we're looking at 85 degrees, probably feeling more like 95 degrees, honestly, at this point, but pretty, pretty hot. It's a sticky, muggy kind of hot that makes you sweat right when you step outside. Yeah, just imagine a hurricane coming through, knocking out your power, and now you have no AC and you're just sweating inside. So hopefully we don't have to experience that, but let's go ahead and roll right into it. Welcome everyone to the Inner Miami podcast. I am Jay Kington, not alongside, but on the screen with Mr. Alex Papa George coming to us live from his place. Uh, we are excited to bring you this show. We mentioned this on um, on the past. We do have a very special guest on this podcast. Alex, tell them who that is. Yes, many of you know him as our starting goalkeeper. Many of you know him as our captain. We know him as a friend of the podcast. Mr. Luis Robles will be joining us on the pod today, Jay. Oh, captain, my captain. Yes, it is great to have him back. We were talking with him. We were trying to sing for the good time, and he was gracious enough to open up his time to us. And he really, he really wanted to connect with all the fans out there, and you know, kind of just, you know, with everything going around with COVID, you know, just reconnect with everybody and give his thanks. Exactly, and we have one more surprise for everyone. But in true Inner Miami podcast fashion. We're going to keep you on your toes, and we will announce who our next special guest is on social media Friday, so stay tuned for that. What gives you another great reason to follow us, if you don't already, on Instagram, on Facebook, at InnerMiamiPodcast.com. Check out the website, InnerMiamiPodcast.com. Shoot us an email, Jay and Alex, at InnerMiamiPodcast.com. Yes. And before we do, we wanted to kind of bring everybody up to speed on this last week. There were a few quick updates that were shared amongst the league. And Jay, why don't you go ahead and kick us off? Uh, yeah. So the MLS released a statement and they are pushing the suspension of games out in tool at least June 8th. Again, this was the latest update came this previous week. Uh, the date they had set before that was May 10th, but we are getting pushed back because this is not over yet, but hopefully we are entering the downside of this pandemic and we'll soon be back to our normal lives. We'll soon be free. Soon be free. Soon be jumping, yelling, shouting, throwing water, beer, tea, whatever you're going to be drinking on in the stadium, getting loud, getting proud. Hopefully it's here soon. We've yeah. waited long enough. In the stadium, on each other, at this point, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. But as Jay said, right now it's looking like June 8th, but that date is not yet confirmed. It is a fluid situation as we discussed last week. And with the mind of COVID, it is tough to predict. But on uh, some other exciting news across the MLS, I know a lot of the youth players out there were pretty bummed with the dissolution of the U.S. Soccer Academy. On 
the 15th of April, which is just a few days ago, the MLS announced a new elite youth competition platform that will be launched. It's pretty much a supplement with the U.S. Soccer Development Academy that has now been dissolved, but it'll include the teams that were a part of the academy. It'll be year-round, regular season matches, both regional and national, and alongside actually international teams. So it seems like a pretty cool program that they're putting together, again, supporting the movement of the MLS and soccer in America. So as we know, MLS is absolutely growing with popularity. I think that's pretty evident across the board. And, you know, we look forward to continue to do our part to help, you know, share that message. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing to see. Look forward to the talent that will come out of that program. Um, other relevant news, since there's a lot of things happening remote, we've got live streams, we've got, you know, these celebrities are doing all these Instagram live uh, pieces, and it uh, looks like we might have a potential COVID-19 friendly to raise money for those affected by coronavirus. Uh, David Beckham, obviously we know him as the, one of the owners for in Miami, but also uh, the original Ronaldo, Mr. Ronaldo Nazaria, or Nazario rather, uh, who just recently acquired a 51% stake in Real uh, Valladolid. We're talking on Instagram Live and started discussing the possibility of setting up this friendly match to raise funds for, again, those affected by the virus. So will be pretty cool. Uh, that would actually, if, if we can make that happen this season, that looks to be really our first uh, kind of international club play that we'll ever have. You know, everything right now is just slated for the MLS. Uh, you know, in preseason, we played against some, you know, USL teams, stuff like that. But uh, to play against you know, a team from the league would be really, really cool, really awesome experience for the fans. It would be interesting to see how we stack up against, you know, international level competition. Absolutely. And, you know, I guess at, at its core value, too, is, you know, they're raising money for a good effort. And anything that we can do to help give back in this time, I think the newest tolls are coming up to about 23 million Americans that were affected in layoffs across the country. That's 23 million people that don't have jobs right here today. So any types of money that anybody can donate to the cause or even throw events to help raise money is absolutely, you know, applause to you. And please, you know, go ahead and do your part. You know, even if it, you feel it is little, everything goes a long way. And speaking of that, uh, I don't know if you were tuning in, Jay, but actually on Saturday, David Guetta, the DJ, the house DJ, as many of us know down here in Miami, he threw on one hell of a show at the Icon in Brickell. It was absolutely wild. It was hashtag United at Home. Um, the actual raise brought it up to, I think it was $700,000 that was raised in about a two-hour set. And David Guetta brought the house down. It was truly awesome. It was at the Icon in Brickell. And it was wild to see everybody out on their balconies. You know, unfortunately, I think for a few people, there were a little bit too many people on the balconies. But everybody was <laughs> representing their flag, having a good time. I think letting loose a little bit. And in true Miami fashion, you know, bringing the heat. So, you know, another example of someone who has, you know, some reach, you know, has a say in society who is doing their part to do so. So, you know, we all got to do ours. I did not see it, but I did listen to a bit of it. Uh, Chloe was playing it, but from what I understand, pretty cool event happened during that. Yeah, it was wild. So at the end of the set, it was about two two hours, and he just announced that we raised about $700,000. And at the very end of his set, right seconds before YouTube cut its live stream, 
Mr. David Guetta reaches back behind the stage and pulls out an inner Miami jersey, waving it around to all the fans. And I'm sure everybody who saw that was going absolutely crazy, just like I was. It was an awesome moment to see David Guetta promote the team and be a part of Miami culture down here as we know it and really be a part of something that we're trying to grow. Yeah, it's going to be really cool to see this take off as an international brand and international team. Um, you know, just, I don't want to backtrack too much, but even going back to that friendly between, you know, David Beckham and Ronaldo, like their relationship really started uh, with Real Madrid in the like mid 2000s when they were teammates. So David Beckham has a lot of these connections and it's going to be great to see that because that is a serious advantage that we have over you know, other teams as well. Yeah. And just, just, I know we've talked about it, you know, the nine months we've been talking, all the fans out there, but it just showed again, how diverse of a city Miami is, you know, it didn't matter if you were from Brazil, Argentina, Colombia, Peru, Puerto Rico, America, it didn't matter where you're from, everybody were representing their flags. And, you know, it just shows the city, you know, it's a truly a powerful city, because just from all walks of life do come into this giant melting pot and it is truly impressive to be a part of. So hats off to everybody who threw that event. Uh, United at home was the hashtag. Hopefully there are more events like that being thrown around there. Uh, and yeah, I just couldn't, couldn't, couldn't have said anything better about that performance. It's really cool. And honestly, we're kind of starting to see that effect take play because uh, Miguel Ayun has stated that he wants to come and play for inner Miami and specifically play for David Beckham and to be associated with him in some, you know, capacity. Uh, and Miguel Ayun is a formal teammate of Rodolfo Pizarro at Monterey, where he won the CONCACAF Champions League and uh, Apertura titles. He also won uh, Apertura and uh, Clausura titles with Club America. He's 31 years old, has 72 caps for El Tree, the Mexican national team. Uh, he's played in the Premier League with Watford. He's played in Portugal's league at Porto. He's played in La Liga with Sevilla. And he has stated that he wants to come here to Inter Miami and to David Beckham. So we're already starting to see that happen. He's a defender. would be a great addition to have on the team, I believe, even though our defense is very stacked. But potentially coming here in the future. And, I mean, look, man, we're starting to get that clout. Yeah, I mean, we, we have a buzz around our team right now. And obviously, I think that goes back even to the backing of David Beckham and just having that influence of, you know, soccer around the world and just being able to not just tap into a network that many aren't able to, but just have that clout and that recognition and kind of say, hey, I am David Beckham, you already know my resume, you know, what have you done almost but you know, Jay, I think that that's, uh, I think that's really exciting news. I mean, more pieces to the puzzle here. And obviously, you know, this isn't anything official, but it seems like there was even one more rumor that was swirling around the rumor mill here. Yeah. And this is, I mean, in its infancy of rumor stages, I would say, but due to lack of other topics to cover, we just want to have some fun. So there have been reports from some uh, other international outlets uh, of Spanish origin, I believe. I, I honestly have not recognize them. Um, I don't know them, but Gonzalo Iguain seems to be potentially coming to the MLS. And it looks like Inter Miami has, in some capacity, made some sort of approach to him. We have no details. Again, these are very, you know, very from the beginning rumors. So we don't know too much about it. But some other teams I think that they were talking about were potentially LA Galaxy, although the financial situation may not be too great because they just got Chicharito, but we'll see what happens. Um, I know some people love him, some people hate him, but uh, Gonzalo Higuain uh, currently playing for uh, Juventus with uh, with Cristiano. 
You know, but, you know, Jay, one of these times, man, you're just going to have to share your source. You know, I, I don't know where you come up with these connections, but it was like Kodos something in Spanish. Give yourself and then, a little And then bit. I saw another inner Miami focused news outlet that, that, that posted it as well. So we'll see what happens. I mean, he's played for some, uh, some reputable clubs, um, you know, some, some Real Madrid prior to that. So uh, definitely has, you know, quite a bit of experience. Um, me personally, if we could get Edison, I still want Edison. I think he's still our primary. Yes, we will see. I mean, obviously, we still have that third DP slot to fill. And, you know, hey, it may happen sooner than later. I know that we were thinking that we'd be halfway through the season before we filled that slot. But, you know, we may be right in this quarantine section. But without further ado, we will shut up. We will be quiet. Let's get to the good stuff. We are excited to have Mr. Luis Robles to the podcast, a big supporter of the Inner Miami podcast. He's our starting goalkeeper. A lot of you people know him as our team captain. He's going to talk to us about some of the emotions that he was feeling back after DC United, you know, days before the home opener and really kind of talk about how he's adjusted to COVID life. So without further ado, it brings us great excitement to introduce Luis Robles. Let's do it. Well, welcome everybody, and thank you for joining us. We have a friend of the pod and the captain of the squad back for the second time, Mr. Luis Robles. How have you been? Oh, that made me smile. Um, <laughs> I've been okay. You know, all things considered, we don't have much to complain about, and it makes for long days when you have three small kids and you're trying to come up with activities to entertain them, but... You know, like I said, there's there's some people going through some real stuff right now, so we uh, we don't have much to complain about. Exactly. Yeah. No, and, and I'm right there with you, man. I'm trying to work, and I've got a little three-year-old crawling on my back and my shoulders as I'm on the phone. So it can be tough with uh, with the little little balls of energy around the house, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, God bless my wife. She's the one that's taken on the homeschooling duties, mm -hmm. and she just aims for 90 minutes of good work. But she has three kids that range from three to seven, and they're at different levels. And so she's just trying to to get some sort of uh, curriculum for them and, and trying to keep them engaged. And, and I think it, at the end of 90 minutes, she's the one that's completely uh, fried and frazzled and ready to move on with the rest of her day. But it's it's an adjustment that I know a lot of people are making right now, and it's just part of what's going on. Yeah, it's uh, it is a lot, and uh, you know, a lot of parents didn't really sign up or know what being a homeschooler or a, t a teacher really entailed, and it's quite a bit. And same thing, you know, with us, Chloe does a ton with uh, with Quinn and making sure that he's getting his education, his activities, in to continue to to grow. But you know, I mean, wow, it, it sounds like these where you really, you know, you want to say teachers deserve a hundred k and up, man, for for everything they do. I mean, God bless all the teachers out there because it's it's quite a bit, and everyone's realizing that Absolutely. firsthand now. Absolutely. I think the only one really smiling, the only people really smiling are the teachers, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> vacation, they got extended vacation. It's leading right up into summer. So they're going to have, what, six months off now, right? Yeah. And, and then the parents really have a better uh, understanding of what, what, they're, um, what they're doing each and every day with their kids in the whole classroom. Yeah. It'll give you perspective. Times like these definitely will. For sure. Yeah, I mean, these times are crazy. Obviously, this is pretty much, I think, a once-in-history type of epidemic going on. And, I mean, we haven't talked to you since the start of the season. 
great to have you on the podcast again, you know, here today. And, you know, before we kind of get into the whole COVID-19, you know, situation that's going around and affecting everybody, we'd love to kind of talk about the first couple games here against DC United and LAFC. Take us back, you know, what is that, about a month, month and a half ago or so when the season was in full swing and kind of talk to us a little bit about those games and, you know, kind of how was the energy in the locker room before getting going? What were the emotions, nerves, excitement, you know, kind of kind of share a little bit about that process. Yeah, it feels like forever ago. It, it's unfortunately. Yeah. And there was a lot of excitement for that LAFC game because when we trained in Los Angeles, we were at the LA, LAFC training facility and all the owners were out there. And that's something that we hadn't really experienced like that anyways, uh, to see Marcelo and Jorge, Jose, David. Um, I guess the only one that wasn't out there was Masayoshi, but um, there, was, there was a lot of excitement and nerves about it. But then, of course, when the game started and you step onto the pitch and the Bank of California, the, the crowd there, the stadium, that the entire environment is just awesome. It's the type of environment you want to play in. And and then you just you forget all the history, you forget all the build-up to it. It's just a soccer game and against a very good team. And I felt for the most part we we hung in there. Um, and unfortunately we weren't able to convert anything. But for our first showing, it, it, it was okay. You know, I mean, I, I think – I don't want to be like overly positive because at the end of the day, we lost the game. Um, but when you consider all the circumstances and all the variables at play, uh, there's just, there's a lot of positive things to take from it. And then you transition to the DC game and at halftime, I, I was convinced we were, we were going to win that game and that was going to be our mm-hmm. first three points and it was going to be history made. And then in a matter of what a minute, 120 seconds, yeah. Goes from us scoring a goal to to being down a man, and and we we just didn't handle it that well. And I think internally, the leaders we said, the veterans we said that that the flow, the games are going to ebb and flow, and there's going to be really big moments, and there's going to be moments where we really need to set up, uh, step up, whether it's encouraging guys, being vocal, uh, making a big play, and we felt like in that that span of ten minutes, we didn't do that. And that's part of the growth process as part of a new team, uh, a young team, a team that hasn't been together that long. But the, the veterans also have really high expectations, and we felt like we could have done better in that moment. Personally, myself, I feel like I could have done more in that moment, uh, whether it's save the PK or, or even just get out there and, and have more of a presence in the group and, and get guys going and get their heads up, uh, encouraging them in some way. And and I, I felt like I could have done better in the second goal as well. Um, so yeah, it, it feels like forever ago. And and now as I as I talk about the games, it, it's starting to get me going uh, as a competitive person because it reminds me that there's so much unfinished business. And as we're getting ready for that that third game against LA Galaxy, you could feel the spirit within the group was really good. And and we knew that we were competing in the first two games, and we know that it's a we're, we're a work in progress. But we're also a very confident group. Yeah, no, I mean it. It was the hype in in this city, or this area rather, was uh, they didn't cancel the game until like Thursday or Friday before, and and I fully thought that it was on, so you could, we were able to sneak it in before having to 
you know, kind of suspend the rest of the season. But, you know, we, everyone was, was very sad, but you could definitely feel like the, the energy level uh, was there. And, and going back to that D.C. United game, I mean, I can't think of an, another league game I've watched, even world soccer game I've watched where it was such a turn of the tide in what seemed like only maybe like five minutes of actual actual game time. But, I mean, definitely rolling with the punches. And there are a lot of pauses to take out of here. But, you know, kind of going back to that first LAFC game, one of the, the biggest Mark, highlights. Me, if, if I can interject real quick, you said something yeah, really important. I, I want to provide some insight that I don't even know if I'm supposed to provide it, but I'm going to do it anyways. Going into that game, there was more anticipation than even the fan base could could really understand just from an internal perspective, from a business, a revenue, a league, um, a global reach perspective. And as the owners started to to have calls with the commissioner and the board of governors trying to figure out what's the best course of action for the league and how to handle the situation, a lot of it was on our club because they knew that this was going to be a massive event. It was going to be one of the most televised most viewed games globally in the history of the league if not the most viewed game and so they they really wanted to to give some margin to our to our group to make a decision and and i know that that couldn't have been an easy one for them and so then basically what happened is on thursday i believe it was thursday jorge and david showed up and they were on a they were on speakerphone and it was at that moment they were trying to decide, and, and I think they made the right decision. I think they understood that even as much excitement was going into this, even though this would have just been a massive moment for soccer in South Florida, uh, for Major League Soccer, soccer at that moment was was secondary to what was going on in the world, and they didn't want mm-hmm. to put anyone in harm's way. And, and I, I can't imagine just the gravity of that decision because that's a business decision. Uh, and yet I feel like they made the right one. And it, it yeah. was a bummer for us, of course, because we wanted to play that game. But now, now having the luxury of being a few weeks, a month and a half removed, like even more so they made the right decision, right? Because can you imagine as majestic as that game ends up being and then it it it's the cause for more people to get infected? Like, I mean, soccer is so secondary when it comes to – when it comes to to things like that. Yeah. I mean, health and family is absolutely number one. It always will be number one. And, you know, to your point, you know, more on the fan side of it, I know Jay and myself went to that stadium release for, for some of the season ticket holders and the excitement, the enthusiasm was, was through the roof. And, you know, that, that, that's one side of the puzzle. And for those of which who are listening here and don't know you know, Lewis is a part of, you know, the union who was able to put together the, the new uh, CBA for the MLS here. Were you were you involved with any higher level conversations with the league personnel per se versus, you know, more or less the players who are kind of ta- getting it on a team by team basis? So what are you speaking about right now? More or less the communication that came down from the MLS office of COVID-19 and how they're going to proceed with the events that are happening around us. Yeah. Um, at that moment, no. I think at that moment, it was more about um, what the clubs wanted to do, what the owners wanted to do. Um, they evaluated the decision with as much information as they could get at the moment. But since then, 
there I have like yesterday I was on the phone from 8:30 to about 5 and it was just um, conference call after conference call because there's there's a lot going on and I just I don't know I don't feel comfortable talking about the depth of it yet but what it's done at least in this situation is it's given people a lot of perspective and the 2020 CBA negotiation I felt like was uh, a marquee moment, not only for our PA and the player pool, but I think for the relationship between the player pool and this league. And I think it's it's opened up a line of communication that did not exist previously. And so now when you look at this situation and what's going on, there's been moments where we needed to hear from the guy at the top. I mean, I'm, I'm talking about the commissioner. There's been moments where we needed to be on a call where he can hear the players and to his credit, he he stepped up to that, and he has been on several calls with us. He is he has been as lucid, as clear, and as transparent as possible. And that's just something that didn't exist before. And you said that my role uh, is with the union, and and really just to define the role, I'm one of the executive board members. So the way that it's structured is every team has a player rep, every team has a bargaining committee, and that committee is made up of three players. Usually the rep is involved in those three. And then those players make up the, uh, basically the representation of the player pool. And then above them is, is the board members and there's seven of them. And so I've been on the board since 2016 and we've been able to see some really exciting growth and development um, in our players association. And in really since the last uh, 2015, since the last CBA, which allowed us to prepare in a very uh, professional and I think next level way that I think not only was effective for the player pool, but I think it was impressive to the other side of the table that I also think is part of the impetus of why they said, okay, you know, we need to have a better relationship. And, and so the way that's manifested at this moment are these calls. And there's a lot of calls, whether I'm on the call with the executive board trying to figure out like, one of the things that happened very early on was the training situation. It was the executive board who made a decision to really push to the league that if we're not playing, we shouldn't be training because why would we, if, if it's a real enough risk that we shouldn't be playing games, then it's a real enough risk for us um, exposure wise in situations such as training. And so it was from that call uh, we put together a memo and said it's a league and, and they could understand where we're coming from. And after some dialogue, they they created the training moratorium. And so with each week, we check in and we check in. And, and, and I just, I feel like if there's a positive thus far, up until this point at least, is that the relationship between the league executives and the player pool um, is at an all-time high. It's at a level that it's never been before. Great. That's, that's great to hear. And so it sounds like the overall response by the players has been pretty positive to the new CBA in place. It, it has been. Um, I mean, now, we're about to go down a road that I can't really speak at right now. Um, at this moment. <laughs> There's certain things that are going on. Um, I, I don't know when this podcast is launching and, and I don't know when some of these other things in the background are going to happen, but I will say that when we agreed to terms, everyone was happy. I think the league saw 
uh, a real step forward in terms of their relationship with the players. I think the players saw um, some some improvement in the way that the league respects the players, but then also um, the way that they're going to spend, who gets the money, the terms of free agency, the minimums. There's a lot of good stuff there. The bonuses is a lot of good stuff. And I think even the guys who make the soccer decisions were happy that there was more money to be spent and the rules had, had been, um, uh, they're clearer now. And, and so as we're going through that process, there, there's just stuff going on that, you know, maybe at a later time we can talk more about it because it, it may never make the news, which I hope that's the case, uh, that it never really makes the news, but it, but it might. And, and then we might have another conversation. Uh, you took the words out of my mouth. I was going to say thanks for sharing what you can, and we can save any other uh, conversations around that for a later period. Uh, but we, we will always respect, you know, and, and you do such a great job of, of knowing what to speak on and what not to speak on. So I totally understand that. Um, but kind of just, you know, getting back to um, so my question a, a little bit ago is one of the biggest things, at least for me personally, and, and I mean, I know it was on, you know, the media, international media, was you guys walking off that bus at LAFC and being greeted by ravenous dancing, chanting, singing inner Miami fans. And, you know, you could see just the smile on the player's face and even some getting in there dancing with them. And what was just that kind of feeling like going across the entire nation, right? To uncharted territory in your first game Mm -hmm. to receive a welcoming off the bus like that. I mean, what, what does that do for you as a player? It does a lot. Um, the, the fans have been incredible, and I, I know there's there's a lot of novelty what's going on. There's a lot of momentum because it, it is a new thing, and, and well, it's a new thing in the sense that Inter Miami is a new franchise. But soccer has 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 not been in this part for a while, right? Since what is it, two thousand one, when the team contracted Miami Fusion? Yeah. Um, so they've waited a long time, and and they've been teased every. Once in a while in the summer with the ICC, but I mean, there is a very strong and deep fan base here uh, that deserved an MLS franchise and they deserved that moment. And so now you fast forward to that very first game uh, and the day before after training, we pull up to the hotel and, and we're like turning the corner and we just hear all this banging. And then as we turn the corner, there's smoke and there's flags and and it took a moment to register within me that that's like those that's are for supporters, you, <laughs> right? That that's for the the for us. And and in the bus, we're like, oh, we got to do something. We got to do something. We we're like pumped. We we're super excited about it. And that's the feeling that we're getting because of the love and support that the supporters are giving. And so yeah. that's why it was sort of a no brainer to go out there and and join in in with them in their moment. Because that's what that is. That, that's their moment. That that belongs to them. Everything that they've waited for and everything that they've worked so hard organizing, um, it, it's all culminated in that road trip, right? And it was going to take the next step on on that first home opener. And, 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 and it's not a matter of if it happens. It's It will happen. And, of course, the circumstances are going to be different. But that moment that they deserve will come. But going back yeah. to what you spoke about, that recording and, and that moment, that was fun. That was a lot of fun. I was one of those players that jumped in with them and and it's all just new and, and I just want to drink it up and, and soak it in. And it's been a lot of fun. 
Well, part of, if I recall back back to our first podcast together, actually one of the reasons that it sounded like you wanted to, you know, were so excited to be a part of Inter Miami was the newness of the expansion team, and I think you could really feel it in that moment. Yes, yes, absolutely, and it's not just that moment. It was when the supporters first came out to St. Pete's, and when the supporters came out Tuesday night to preview the soft opening of the stadium. Uh, there's there's really just I know it's been said so many times so it can come off a bit trite but the excitement is real and it's fun to be a part of and that's something that I had to wade in the free agency process there were there were better offers um, teams that were already in position to win that were courting me but just the thought of coming to a new franchise and the growth opportunities and the excitement that's going to come along with it you couldn't quantify that for me and I felt more than anything that that's what I wanted to experience in the next chapter of my soccer journey. Definitely. And I mean, look, it's, it's been 18 long years. This fan base has been waiting and the, there's no way that we're going to drop the ball on any of this, you know, so they are fully bought in. This is just a little minor setback, but this, this season's going to be just straight amazing. Um, but you know, going back to those first two games, really outside of a few mental mistakes, the team could be, you know, two and O or, you know, at least one and one. And, you know, looking at the positives from the first two games, there are quite a bit. We were very competitive, you know, Robbie Robinson being thrusted into the spotlight and, you know, really having to, to, to really play right off the bat and not kind of come in as a sub and get any experience. I mean, looked great, but there's also plenty of takeaways. I think there's a lot of good defensive takeaways and, and even on, you know, on the midfield. Uh, but, you know, what are the areas that you saw out of those first two games, being a competitive team in, in, in their first season that were the main focuses of, hey, you know, this is what we need to address. This is where we need to improve upon because it looks like, you know, you guys could be a stellar team by the end of the season. Let's start with the improvement part. Everyone can improve, right? I mean, this is just the beginning for us. We're just starting to um, – to, to, we're just starting this journey, and as a team, we're just scratching the surface. So whether it's the goalkeeping or the defensive line or the way that we have a relationship or the, the guys in the midfield, the wingers, uh, the relationship they have with the forwards, er- everything can improve and everything will improve. The way that we press defensively, we'll get sharper at, uh, we'll be on, on the same page more and more um, as time goes on. So. Yeah, you're right in the sense that the showing was uh, a nice one in the sense that it was a preview of what this team could be. Um, but I think what's, uh, for me at least, the two of the spots that that were nice surprises, that were highlights, was Robbie Robbie Robinson and, and Lewis Morgan. Uh, Lewis joined us really late, and I know that coming from a club like Celtic, he has to be a, a player of quality, but you just never know how you never know how team, uh, players can fit into a new squad. And it took a little bit of time during preseason because of his late arrival. And yet he was thrust into a situation where he he really excelled. He was definitely one of our bright spots going forward. And he just has a great understanding of the game. And then Robbie. <laughs> I mean, uh, everyone is expecting some big name to play up top. And, and even when we drafted number one, like that was great. But I think more than anything, people just remembered Robbie for his awkward FaceTime conversation with David Beckham. <laughs> um, they didn't really know what to expect. And I will say that in St. Pete's, the two games that he played, you could see that this kid has something. 
And then to be in that moment and play the way that he did, like this kid, he is such a high ceiling. And oh, yeah. I, I, I'm a, I'm a fan of his, and I'll continue to, to encourage him and be critical at the right moments. But I feel like those two players really stuck out for us. And, and I mean, you know what you're going to get with Will. You know what you're going to get with Victor. We just got some solid guys. Guys that have been in the league, and, and um, they're real bright spots, and they're going to help us win. Of course, Pizarro is is excellent, and Nico is excellent. And I mean, it, there's so many positives you can say about guys. Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. About that. Sorry, but yeah, it, it, there, there are some positives and, and I don't, I just, I don't want to be overly positive because at the end of the day, it's a results driven business and we didn't get any points and, um, you know, feel good moments and, and good performances are great. But at the end of the day, if you're at the bottom, the standings, you're not going to feel that, that great. Um, so all things considered, there were decent performances and, and, and we can see where we can improve and we can see where, uh, they're going to be real strengths. But I think this is why um, we were so excited to play that next game. It wasn't just that it was a home game or against LA galaxy and that it was going to be a historic game is, is because we see what's going on here. Something special is going on here and we need reps. We need games. We need experience. We need all of these to really help us. Um, continue to form our identity to um, work on that team chemistry but but ultimately we wanted to culminate in victories and that's why we wanted to play that next game yeah I think you guys were riding some good momentum I mean I've been saying on the podcast that you know hey we're the best 0-2 team out there you know a couple things you know go our way and you know it's quite a different conversation so you know I guess kind of what what was your general opinion you know, on, on a scale of one to t- 10, would you say, in your opinion and impression of the first few games coming from your side? Well, it's almost right down the middle because it, on one end, on, on the end of the positive spectrum, you could see the effort, the, um, the effort that the guys are putting in and even some of the individual performances. So that really pushes the needle to the positive part. But then when you look at the results part, it's, it's zero points. So then it, it sort of shifts it back to the middle. So if I had to give us a, a score, and maybe this is going to come off a little critical, but I, I'd give us a five because there is a lot of good things going on there. And I, I don't know. I mean, maybe they're just – I was in Jersey too long and, and I could be cynical of things. But I, I know this business, <laughs> and I know after 14 years as a professional, it's not what have you done. It's not what did you do for me last season or two seasons ago. When it comes to players and contracts and their futures with organizations and teams being successful, it's what are you doing for me right now? And for us to evaluate what's going on, we're at the bottom and and we have to work our way up. And what's encouraging is we have a lot of the tools and a lot of the pieces to do that. But um, I think this is why it makes the break even more difficult is because we knew we were getting close and and, and now we, we, we just have to find a way to overcome overcome the adversities understandable you know and i think that's a, a fair assessment and, and a critical assessment won't i mean it, it won't be bad to to really uh you know be critical so that you can improve to to where you guys need to be 
Um, that really, I think, wraps up kind of, you know, we wanted to touch a little bit on the, the first two games. But one thing I really wanted to ask you is because I know we were very excited when we saw it. We had talked about it on a podcast, I think, a week or two before, you know, the team named their captain. But how did it feel to be named the first ever team captain in Inter-Miami's history? <laughs> so this is kind of a, uh, a, an amusing story. Um, so on Monday night... I guess, oh man, it seems so long ago. I got to piece it all together. Did I get named captain the week of our game? I can't even remember. I believe so. Okay. If not, it was one week prior, I think. Okay. I, okay. Um, well, let's let's try to go from there. So we get back from preseason. It, I think it's the week of the game because we get back from preseason and we're going to have a team dinner Monday night. So everyone heads out to this restaurant, Graciano's, and Coral Gables, incredible restaurant. Um, and we're, we're all there. And and the, the big surprise is that that David Beckham's going to be there. So our owner's there, and David Beckham's there, and everyone's there. The film crew's there. It's like, it, it was it was a great night. I mean, we were really celebrating that it was the end of preseason, and we're looking forward to um, the beginning of the season. And of course, anytime our owners are there, it just makes for a different level of, of energy in the room. What I didn't realize is part of the reason we were meeting is to name me captain. <laughs> and my wife had been driving down from New Jersey since Sunday. So she left Sunday morning, she paused Sunday night, and had been driving all day Monday. And I was so excited because we just got a brand new house. The furniture just got there that day on Monday. The movers came. I had arranged everything. I was, they'd never seen the house before. So I wanted to get there before they got there so I could put like the presents out. And I just wanted it to be this momentous occasion for my family because they had to endure a lot. Like one thing that, that gets – I mean it's not like it's an exciting thing to talk about, but it's something that's real in, in soccer players' lives, professional athletes' lives. The transition part is brutal. And it's not brutal for the player. The player just moves on, goes to a locker room, has new friends, has a new team, has a new like purpose. Like that part's great. Like, but for the families, like they get uprooted, they have to move, especially the wives. They take usually the brunt of the move. They're the ones that have to help get the, the house ready for the move and, and then get down there and organize everything while I'm at training. And so I wanted to make this as because it already been difficult for for my wife and my kids and now she's driving whatever 17 hours to get here. So I wanted I wanted to be home and I wanted to like make it special for them. So that mean I had I had to leave the dinner early. So <laughs> the timing could not have been better. Like I was waiting, I was waiting as long as possible and it was like 9:30 it's like all right, it's going to take me 45 minutes to get home. My wife's going to be there at 11. I need about 30 minutes to prep. So finally after like waiting as long as I could I go over to the owner's table and I was like, guys, I'm really sorry. This is like what has to happen. My wife's showing up. It was so funny because at that moment, as I stood up to go and say it, David had stepped up, uh, stood up. And so it just kind of worked out perfectly because it was an easy farewell for me. Like I could be like, all right, David, thank you. It was great to see you. Thank you for dinner. Like I'll I'll see you soon. It turned out the reason he was standing up is because he was signaling the video crew so they can name me captain but instead i'm saying goodbye and i left oh <laughs> you, you you really what? yeah and i had no idea <laughs> so then dinner was over like once i left and i was like all right we're done and they, they took off and so then the next day at training it actually worked out better because that's where we got all the content 
and that's when they named me captain and, and it's really an honor and and more than anything, it's a tremendous responsibility that's put upon me to represent this club, uh, to represent the fan base and represent the locker room in the best way possible. And I hope to do that on the field and I hope to do that off the field and every interaction that I ever have, because that's the way I see it is, is not only am, am I selling soccer in this country and in this community, but I'm selling this league and ultimately I'm selling this club. And to me, that's a huge responsibility, but it's also an incredible privilege. And so to be the first captain for this organization is is truly, truly that, a privilege and an honor and, and a great responsibility that I'm excited about. That's a uh, that's an incredible story. And I don't think you will forget that for the rest of your lives. But um, just as you were saying, I mean, I think, you know, more importantly than uh, I would say, you know, soccer or any sport really is going to be the, that individual's family. And the, your number one responsibility in this life, I think, is to be a, a leader, a captain of your own family. And so, I mean, that says a lot about you that you were trying to to tough it out and probably checking your phone every couple of minutes, seeing, you know, what the timing was looking like. But you wanted to make sure that you were there for your family to to ease up that strain of having to relocate. And um, that's pretty awesome, man. Yeah. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad all of it worked out in the end. But, but hey, good news—they like the house. <laughs> well, I mean, it's a, there's a lot to like down here, so yeah. so you know, just wait till the winter time. We'll be loving it. Yeah, it's beautiful outside right yeah, now in uh, early April. Now. They're loving it now, and that's the the part of us that feels kind of uh, bad at times. Is I know that there's some real stuff going on in Broward County, and yet where we live, it just feels like a vacation. You know, like the sun is out every single day. It's beautiful. We stay at home, but we have a yard and, and there's kids the same age as Eli's next door and no one's in school. So they just play outside all day and they kick the ball and they shoot hoops and they're loving life down here. Yeah, it's kind of funny. You know, we have been experiencing some absolutely gorgeous weather and we have listeners from all over the world too. And the weather down here has been amazing. It's kind of crazy to think that there's a killer virus, you know, that's kind of trampling around the world right now. It's kind of surreal, but the world, but like Broward County, right? Like down here in South Florida, we're like, we're one of the hotspots. Yeah, I think we, I think we were like actually top five. I think Broward County was hit. Yeah. Early on, we, we were, we were talking yeah. about it. Yeah, but yeah, it's Miami, wild. Miami's been hit the hardest, so I mean, yeah, I mean, that's, Mayor, that's cool, but, but Mayor well, there was a time where where Broward was above Miami, and I was like, that's kind of crazy to think about because yeah. the population of Miami is is definitely much greater, and and I would say even a larger uh, travel hub. Yeah, yeah, and and you know, I hate to take us kind of before this moment before we kind of start to get into a little bit more of the COVID nineteen stuff, but how was the team? you know, vibe, you know, getting out of that, you know, opening cup, couple games, having the season opener, how, how was the kind of energy of the squad? I mean, it seems like that the entire organization was pretty pumped up, but you guys must've been pretty excited as well. Yeah. The, the organization, there's just a lot going on. And so it's impossible not to be excited. Right? We moved into our training facility, which is incredible. Just top of the line. It's gotta be one of the best training facilities not only in this country, but in the world. I mean, it is just awesome. So you you have that excitement and and, and then you have the very first game and, and just all the different things that come with it. And then, of course, every time David Beckham shows up, that's pretty exciting too, right? That's surreal in its own sense. And and I hope that never gets old. But but I know for a lot of these guys, every time he's here, there's just a different energy and, and deservedly so. But 
but not only is the organization set it up so that we can be exciting, but we have a great locker room and we have a great mix of guys. And as we try to traverse the difficulties of being bilingual, the one thing that is for some able to sort of circumvent the, the language barrier is just the banter. And the banter is great. And we've got some great lighthearted jokesters on the team that, that make not only coming to training, but being in the locker room and being a part of training, a lot of fun. Well, that's a perfect setup to my question, sir. Um, have there been any great or funny stories with the team that have come out during this whole quarantine period? So, I mean, really, no. I mean, I guess the reason I say no is because there really is a feeling of detachment. And even though we're doing these Zoom workouts, you know, it... it it's okay, but it's never going to substitute what it's like to be in a locker room. Um, so I, you know, I check in with the guys. A lot of the questions actually have to do with some of the other stuff that that I'd alluded to, um, and I just I, that's also part of the responsibility I feel is is if anyone needs anything, whether it's answering a question or toilet paper or just whatever, I try to I try to make myself available. And but there's just there's a it's a different feel altogether. There's a detached feeling. And, and I think this is why guys text me like, Hey, when are we going to play? When are we going to play? And, and then I just have to be like the Debbie Donna that says, Hey, we have to continue the rotation and, and wait this out. Like, I know that you guys want to be out there training, but it, I just think that there's nothing to gain right now. So, um, unfortunately, no, I mean, it, it really has been, guys have been good about staying in and, uh, for the most part, just, keeping to themselves. And, and then every day at 10 o'clock, we either have a Zoom meeting that talks about tactical stuff or or we have a workout. So that's that's the only way that we're able to, to really stay engaged. And, and are those kind of the primary, I guess, methods, tools, avenues that you guys are all staying together? I know me and a bunch of buddies are using this house party app to stay together where you can play some games. Are there any other ways that you guys are staying connected? You know, maybe not as a whole team, but maybe to specifically a couple guys on the squad? Yeah, the guys that are gamers, you know, they're on Twitch. They're they're still playing Fortnite. They're playing FIFA. So I think for them, that's that's also a great connection. I mean, they're basically on it all day now. It's funny because at 10 a.m. when we do our Zoom call, you can see that some guys literally woke up two minutes before. <laughs> <laughs> Who's the culprit? Who's the culprit? I'm not going to name any names, but there's a lot. Um, yeah. It's so different because I have kids and you know I have a family, so I'm I'm up at 6:30 every morning. Um, and so really by, by 10 o'clock, I've, I've already done my run and I've fed, you know, fed some breakfast to the kids and, and tried to do some of my stuff around the house. But, but it's different. Cause I remember when I was younger and I was in Germany, that's all I did was play video games. So it's, it's just different stages of life. So who's, who are the biggest gamers on the team? See, I don't really know because I'm not in it, but from what I can tell, uh, Lee, is is pretty big jay is is in there uh robbie uh dylan i i feel like i'm missing a lot of guys probably julian and and lewis lewis morgan right it seems like at least that those guys are are really into it well it was funny the the club actually streamed uh the tournament that a couple of the players were playing in and we recognize you you weren't a part of it are, the, are is this time allowing you to pick up some sticks and maybe uh refine your skills on fifa no not at all uh, 
no uh that's that's like not even on my radar when you said sticks i i had to like (laughs) what is he talking about um no video games has just been so off my radar i I told my wife because i mean i was in germany by myself i finished college went to germany right away i was 21 years old i didn't get married till 25 so for really three and a half years i just played soccer and played video games and, and so then when she moved to Germany after we got married, she saw my life and she was like, yeah, um, <laughs> we're going to have to make some adjustments here, but, uh, you know, like, I don't want you to stop. So I continue to play, like basically she, she went to bed around nine, nine thirty, and then I keep playing, um, <clears throat> through the night pretty much. Um, but, but then as soon as she got pregnant, I said, I'll stop. So I, I really haven't played since. My son briefly played a little bit um, last year. My son's seven, but last year when he was six, uh, I did a promo for FIFA, and they ended up giving me um, a free PS4 as well as the game. So he started playing, and, and he was okay with it. I think at six, it was pretty hard to to understand all of it. So then we got him a Lego game, and he was really into that. Uh, but more than anything, we would play with him, and it was a lot of fun. But it was easier to let him play video games in Jersey because the winters were just so cold and miserable mm-hmm. here. He hasn't even thought about playing video games because he's outside all day. And, and I love that. Yeah. Well, I mean, good. living down here definitely offers his advantages and the weather is certainly at the top of the list. No doubt for sure. Yeah. And I guess kind of on a two, two prong question here. I mean, obviously you're a family man and obviously you're a professional athlete. How, how has been managing this break for, for you in both these categories? Obviously you're able to spend more time with your family as you know, everybody pretty much else is. And oh, yeah. you We're have an interest. <laughs> We're spending yeah, it, time together. We're, we got to make of activities to get through the day. Uh, for, for my wife and, and me, 8, 8 PM is a beautiful time. You know, that that's, Usually when the kids are already sleeping and we get to just sit and a lot of times our bandwidth is done. So we don't even talk. We just watch TV. Yeah, throw on some Netflix and just relax. What, yeah. What, what's been the show of choice? Uh, it's, it's, we balance. So we watch Ozark right now. So she, she'd never seen it. And when season three came out, I was really excited to watch it. And I watched the first episode and, and she sort of watched it in the back and she like really got into it. So then she, she she's like, man, I wish I wish I'd seen it from the beginning. I was like, we got nothing to do. Let's start from, let's start from <laughs> episode one. So we're we're making our way through that, and then she balances it with the office. Because uh, have you guys watched Ozark at all? Uh, funny, funny you bring that up. I've been trying to get Jay to watch that show for a few weeks now. Yeah, it's yeah. Really I watched, like I watched the first episode, and I just I never really got into it. But I'm always yeah. I, I mean, really, series, you can get so past the first. It's like Breaking Bad. Remember Breaking Bad? If you get past like the first two seasons, then it ends up being this amazing show, right? Uh, but I think that's what's great about it is just like Breaking Bad, the character development is amazing. The storyline uh, feels uh, easy to follow, but also in a way like real. Um, but but it's dark. It's dark, and that's why she has to balance it with The Office. <laughs> Yeah, We're just well, there. You can balance just a lot weird. of a lot of dark things with the office. Yeah. <laughs> much better mood, I think. Um, so, what is going to be the first thing that you do with your family once the quarantine phase, this weird phase, is over? Oh, that's easy. That's easy. Uh, they've never been to Miami. Oh, really? Yeah. So we, um, uh, if you follow my social media at all, we we like to go out to the Everglades because we're right on the edge, and we love to look for gators. 
Um, I mean, that it's just so different down here, right? Like the snakes and the gators and the lizards, the iguanas. There's just some really fun stuff. Um, I think especially with my kids' age, as long as you're being safe to, to see. Um, and then they were watching the Gator Boys show, and all of a sudden the main character from the Gator Boys is like standing outside our house as he's about to, to catch a gator, and they just love that. So they've had some good adventures, but they have not been to Miami Beach. They have not been to South Beach. And right now it wouldn't be the same experience if they went, there would, no one would be out. They couldn't go to a cool restaurant and and my wife was really excited to go to it. So for sure, when it's all said and done and we get back to some semblance of normalcy, I am, uh, this is what's going to happen first. I'm going to take my wife out on a date because we haven't done that yet. Um, And then, and then we're going to go to South Beach. So I don't, I don't know what sort of trip, if I'll take any sort of suggestions but I, I want my kids to go down to Miami and see Miami. Maybe go to Flamingo Park. That'd be cool, right? Oh, yeah. 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 I think Alex used to be a little club promoter or something when he was in college. Oh, yeah? He might have some pull for you. You, you, you know, uh, we'll talk offline there, Lewis. Uh, yeah. You know, I don't want to spoil the listeners here with some stories that I can share with you. But uh, thanks, Jay. Yeah, that was in some of my young <laughs> days, 22 right, years old. That's great. <laughs> Hey, well, you know, it was funny. I was going to college and I said, you know, hey, instead of spending a few hundred dollars, why don't I make a few hundred dollars? <laughs> savvy, man. It sounds very savvy. Uh, you know, we do what we can, especially in college when uh, you don't have any money. But um, <laughs> anyway, what's what, what's kind of, you know, Coach Alonso's attitude been throughout this process? You know, obviously, oh, this is pretty unprecedented from, you know, a coaching a standpoint. Coach. He's such a t- So I every week I have to basically give him an update of the information that I have. And uh, and he's you could just tell he's just so anxious to get out there and and he's trying to figure out ways that we can get guys playing small sided and I just have to remind him and and I hate being that guy but at the same time like I just feel like there's nothing to gain if we go through this and then all of a sudden we start training and someone gets it like then it's just a huge setback and and I know that that in the Bundesliga they're starting to do small groups and um, in I mean, I think they're trying to play. I, from what I read, they're they're trying to play TV just for TV games in mid-May, and it sounds like the Prem's going to do that as well. And and I think once our country is in a better situation to do that, then yeah, let's cross that bridge. But right now, it, it's about being, it's about uh, patience and diligence, and and really just continue to sacrifice some of your own wants right now and and the things that you really desire for just the greater good of the community. And and, and I know that. Maybe that sounds a little too much on my soapbox, but I guess that that's just the way I feel. Um, I mean, the last, I just think the worst thing that can happen is we go out there and all of a sudden someone tests positive or we start playing and, and now we're in a situation where we have to reboot. So if it means that we have to wait a couple more weeks, we'll wait a couple more weeks. But you can tell, like as a coach, he's like so ready to get out there. And, and you can tell when we're doing the tactical meetings, there's just this hunger within him. And he's a very inspirational guy. The way he, the way he speaks, it, it definitely motivates you to go out there and, and want to, to do everything you can to win. Yeah. Um, I mean, like the crazy thing to me is Belarus has not shut down their league. So that's like the only actual – you know, football league that, that's still open, but, um, you know, you gotta be safe, gotta do what you can, gotta be best for, for the players and, um, and the fans as well. And we really learned this from, you know, having you on the podcast prior, but you're very positive. You're a very mentally strong person. You have a very, I guess, you know, pragmatic approach and uh, a realistic approach to life and, and the sport. 
Is there any message you would like to pass along to not just the fans of Inter Miami, but South Florida in general, you know, the United States in general, or any of our listeners elsewhere in the world? That this will pass. That that if if we as a community can continue to social distance and do the things that have been mandated by the authorities, the people with the most information, that it will pass. And the fastest way that we can get back to normalcy is is to really abide by those things. And and it, it, in a way, like it creates even the the opportunity through this crisis to to feel more like a community as we're doing these things together, even though we're not right. Um, but to understand that we're all in this together. And one day when it does pass, we'll be back on the field and we'll plan from our fans and it's going to be a glorious day. But until then, I hope everyone stays safe and they understand the importance of these mandates. And, and eventually not, not if, but, but when we will see each other soon. Yes. Well, thank you for that. Lewis, you're always a pleasure to have on the podcast and obviously a leader of our team. We thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining us here this afternoon and, you know, really excited to share this with everybody out here. And, you know, thank you again, a thousand times for joining us on the podcast. Thanks for having me guys. Absolutely. We'll be in touch soon. Yes. Vamos. Take care guys. You too. Bye-bye. Well, there you have it, folks. Always good to have, <laughs> and always good to have a folks. Yeah, it's it's been a while. I wanted to wanted to throw that out there. Uh, always good to have Luis on uh, the podcast. Great, great combo with him, giving some insight into uh, you know the players and their minds and what's going on, uh, you know, more in, in their personal lives right now. But uh, great interview, I would say. Yes. Lewis is a big fan of the podcast and again talking to him off microphone he just wants to say thank you to everybody for supporting the team he's a truly an awesome individual and you know without further ado that brings us to the end of our show but again make sure to follow us on Instagram on Facebook at inner Miami podcast we make it really simple inner Miami podcast or shoot us an email at inner Miami podcast at gmail.com but be sure to follow us on our Instagram and Facebook because on Friday we're gonna go ahead and drop a little bit of news and a little bit of some excitement about what you guys can expect next week on the inner Miami podcast it's big though we were it's huge about it it's huge. We've been working on this for a while. I think the fans are going to love it. Yep. Yes, you're going to love it. Uh, it's going to be awesome. And everybody have a wonderful, wonderful week. And we'll be back with you soon. Vamos Miami. Vamos Miami.